Welcome to the Overcoming Adversity podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals that help listeners tackle the storms of life and become more resilient. Be sure to also check out our newly released podcast entitled By Study and by Faith, showcasing BYU devotionals that blend reason and science with faith, university disciplines with discipleship, and the scholarly with the sacred. Visit speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more details. Ernest, members of the faculty, and fellow students, first I want to welcome Brother Hodgson from Australia. I've been to Australia, so I love the Australian people. In fact, I have never been to a country yet where I didn't almost immediately love the people of that country. I want to say to him that he has come to one of the greatest places in all the world. And he is now a member of the faculty of the most unique university in all the world. Today I am very proud to be a member of the Board of Trustees of this university. I'm also a member of the Board of Trustees of the Utah State Agricultural College. I went to the University of Utah. <laughs> but I want to tell you students here that there is something you will get here, and you are getting here, that you cannot get in either of those other universities. And if you will take away with you that something you get here, then you will have a more abundant life than you could possibly have had you gone to any other institution of learning in this country or elsewhere. I'm pleased to be back here and visit with you for a few minutes. I met a friend of mine on the street the other day and he told me that he had been to a state conference two or three weeks ago where I was the visitor. And he said he was telling a brother about the conference. And then the brother said, who were asked, who was the visitor? And he said, Matthew Cowley. He said, did he teach you anything? He said, no, but he sure made us feel good. <laughs> well, I guess there isn't anything that we can do greater in this world than going around making people feel good. Of course, it would have been a greater compliment to me had he said yes, he taught us something and also made us feel good. But then I'm not gifted in all lines. I appreciate President Wilkinson's reference to my father. You know, I was reared in a very unusual home because of certain conditions which arose. As he stated, my father was released from the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. He was not disfellowshipped, he was not excommunicated, but he had to hold his priesthood in abeyance for a number of years until the First Presidency again gave him the, the green light to go ahead. I suppose he was officially inactive for some 27 or 28 years. At the beginning of that period, his children were 
mostly young. I was just seven or eight years of age. He couldn't officiate in the priesthood in any way, but they couldn't stop him from being the patriarch of his own family, from presiding in his own home. And I wouldn't be here today, fellow students, if it had not been for the integrity and the devotion and the loyalty of my father to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. During those years of his inactivity, he kept his sons on missions for 25 years. Three of us in the islands of the sea, one in Australia, Australia, and one in Europe, or two in Europe, in Germany. When I think of my father, pardon me for being personal, but it's Ernest fault. <laughs> when I think of him, I think of the last words of King George's Christmas broadcast in 1939. I listened to that broadcast in New Zealand. Britain was then in the war. And at the end of his broadcast, he quoted, if I can remember them, these words. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may walk safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That is greater than light and safer than the known way. During these years in our home, when there was considerable darkness of disappointment, my father never hesitated. place his hand in the hand of God. And that indeed was to him better than a light and better than the known way. He taught us to pray. And that was his way, his medium, of bearing his testimony to us and of instructing us while he was upon his knees in prayer. Each of us took his or her turn, but it seemed that his turn came around oftener, and he was one of the longest prayers I've ever heard. And I think more than once when he said amen, I wasn't even in the room. <laughs> I was pretty fast at crawling on my knees. But in his prayers, he always poured out his heart to God and always pled with him, not necessarily for himself, but for his children, his family. And I don't think he ever offered up a prayer, but what, but what within that prayer, there was this behest. Holy Father, 
if there ever comes a time when my children have to choose between following me, their father, or being loyal and devoted to thy holy priesthood, please give them the courage and the fortitude to forsake their own father and be loyal to the priesthood which thou hast restored to the earth. No sermon has ever impressed me more than those words in his prayers. My, how fathers can save their families by remaining true and loyal regardless of circumstances and disappointments. There came a time in my life when I decided I should get married. I was then attending school in Washington. I made plans with my sweetheart, and she's the one I married. <laughs> I rushed her so fast she couldn't send me a Dear John letter. <laughs> but I was struggling to earn my way in Washington to get an education. I didn't have enough money to come home and get married in the temple. And so we made plans to get married in New York. And then when I finished school, we were to come home and be sealed in the temple. We even had the announcements printed. Then all of a sudden, my father heard about it. Now, I know what he did. He wasn't a man of means, never successful in a business way. And I guess things looked pretty dark for him, as far as I was concerned. And so he went out and put his hand into the hand of God. And I know he did it on his knees. And in response to that prayer, I received money from him. And he said, you have to come home and get married right in the first instance. And so I came home. And we went to the temple. And I'll never forget that morning. It was the 13th of July. I got married on the 13th, so if it didn't work out very well, I could blame it on to the day. <laughs> but that morning... We met at the temple, my father, my mother, some of our family. We came around from West Temple, where we live, just across the street from the temple block. My wife and her family, they came, and we met at that little gate, the east wall of the temple. There we met and went in, all but my father. He couldn't go beyond that little gate. And yet I was going in there because of him. Because of his faith, his devotion, his integrity. Because he had, as the greatest obsession of his life, the salvation 
of his children. I will never forget that picture. My, the good he did during those years of inactivity. You know, my father never used to say, come on, boys, let's go to meeting. He would always say, let's go and partake of the sacrament. Oh, he could partake of the sacrament, but he couldn't bless it. He could do almost anything a woman in the church could do, except go to the temple. And so we would go to partake of the sacrament. And I learned from him the importance of that sacred rite. That here, in the sacrament meeting, before the sacrament board, we could renew our covenants and keep them in force. And we could learn that the young priest, in his tender years, as President Joseph Fielding Smith so beautifully explained recently, could place us all under covenant. Yes, the young priest can place everyone under covenant, even up to and including the prophet, seer, and revelator of the church. So I learned to go to partake of the sacrament. And I was called on a mission. Oh, my father always saw to it. The boys were called on mission. They didn't used to screen them in those days like they do now. <laughs> the bishop would just look around and see what was going on, and then he'd say, oh, oh, there's young Cowley. We better get him out in the mission field and get him there quick. <laughs> So out we'd go, three of us at the age of 17. I'll never forget the prayers of my father the day I left. I've never had a more beautiful blessing in all my life than his last words to me at the railway station. My boy, you'll go out on that mission, you'll study, You'll try to prepare your sermons. And he says, sometime when you are called on, you'll think you are wonderfully prepared. But when you stand up, your mind will go completely blank. I've had that experience more than once. I said, what do you do when your mind goes blank? He says, you stand up there with all the fervor of your soul, you bear witness that Joseph Smith was a prophet of the living God, and thoughts will flood into your mind, and words to your mouth to round out those thoughts in a facility of expression that will carry conviction to the hearts of everyone who listens. And so my mind, being mostly blank, during my five years in the mission field, gave me the opportunity to bear testimony to the greatest event in the history of the world since the crucifixion of the Master. <laughs>
Try it sometimes, fellas and girls. You don't have anything else to say. You testify that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, and the whole history of the church will flood into your mind. The principles of the gospel, faith, repentance, baptism, the laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost, tithing 10%, not 5%, fasting, the honest cost of a meal as a contribution, all these things will flood into your mind if you'll bear testimony that the prophet was indeed a servant of God and an instrument in his hand. Wonderful to retain in your minds the lessons you get in your homes. Now, I've only got about two or three minutes to give the talk I wanted to give. I wanted to talk a little bit about peace of mind this morning. I think there is a shortage of peace in the world. I think peace of mind is in short supply. Even among our own people. But if there is anyone in all this world who should have peace of mind, is the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And yet we find frustration, disappointment, depression, confusion existing everywhere. And in the homes of our people, I hear these problems from morning until night while I am in my office. Yet almost the last words of the Master, the Prince of Peace, were, My peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That was the benediction of the Master when he met at the close of his ministry with his disciples. And what is this peace that he spoke about? My peace, I live with you. What was it? His philosophy, his plan of life, his design for living, the gospel of regeneration. And why should people be frustrated who are obedient to the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace? There's nothing wrong with the gospel, my young brothers and sisters, but sometimes there's something wrong with our attitudes about the gospel. Sometimes I'm afraid that some people, even some of our parents, are trying to frighten us into the celestial glory. There is no place in this plan which is to give us peace for frightening God's children 
back into his presence. I think the sweetest words ever uttered were these two or these three. God is love. And where love obtains, in the world or in the home or in the heart of man, there will be and abide peace. Seek this peace through your obedience. And if you are obedient, lift up your hearts and rejoice. Be buoyed up. Be happy. There's no purpose in all of this obedience if there is no provision from that obedience for peace of mind, tranquility of soul. Have peace in your hearts. Have peace of mind. And then let that influence or effluence or whatever you would call it carry over and into the lives of others. Don't try to frighten people with a plan of peace. The plan of the master. <clears throat> And you know as well as I that what this world lacks today is the influence of the Prince of Peace. Maybe I've mentioned it here before, but I'll repeat it. There stands on the top of the Andes Mountains what they call the Christ of the Andes, great statue of Christ erected there by the republics of Argentina and Chile. And on the base of that statue is inscribed these words, Sooner shall these mountains crumble into dust than that the republics of Argentina and Chile break the peace which they have pledged to maintain at the feet of Christ the Redeemer. Peace cannot come into this world except at the feet of Christ the Redeemer. Councils, meetings around the board of international politics will be of no avail in bringing peace to this word, world if the priest, Prince of Peace has no place in those meetings. God bless us that we may have peace of mind and peace in our hearts. Now you can't have peace of mind and be in want materially. You can't have the spirit of the gospel in your hearts with an empty stomach. And so in the plan of the Master, there is provision not only for the salvation of the spirit of man, but for his physical being. And to me, the greatest movement in the history of this church to bring a sense of security and a spirit of peace into the hearts of the members of this church is what we call the welfare plan. Once we grasp fully the spirit and genius of that plan, 
then all of us can divest our mind of worry, anxiety, not only pertaining to the spiritual things, but to the material things of life. We have it. It is called the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God grant that we may submit ourselves to the influences, to the molding force of this beautiful gospel. And in conclusion, I leave my witness with you. I know that God lives. I know that Jesus is the Christ. No one can take that witness from me. Science cannot take it from me. Because I have had the witness. I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet of the living God. That every prophecy he uttered which has not been fulfilled will be fulfilled in God's due and appointed time. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Overcoming Adversity podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.